Morning Glory America from the ReliefFactor.com studios inside the Bellway. That music means it is time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale are collected at Hillsdale.edu, including your opportunity to sign up completely for free for Imprimus, the news and speech digest that comes out uh, almost every month. I'm joined by Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. You can watch Dr. Arn on many of the courses available at Hillsdale.edu. And, of course, he's been... My primary interlocutor in the many years we've been doing the Hillsdale Dialogue, which is the last radio hour of the week. All of those hours are collected for your binge listening pleasure at HughForHillsdale.com. And on this morning of the IG report aftermath and of the Singapore Summit, no better person to talk to than Larry Arn. Good morning, Dr. Arn. Good morning. I want to begin with the IG report uh, because it seems to suggest that that which you have always been afraid of, a police force answering unto itself actually was at work for a period of time in the United States. I think it's over, but it was there. Yeah. Well, it, uh, so the report, I've been reading the report this morning, and, uh, um, you know, it's, of course, it's, it's a federal government document, and so it's a massive blather. And I might even just read you one paragraph so you can see how hard it is to, because it doesn't, it doesn't want to say anything clear, right? So I will say one thing clear, right? These the, the FBI puts itself forward as a as a uh, symbol of neutrality uh, that it's uh, that these are professionals and that they're law enforcement people and that they're neutral and there's no thinking in the making of the Constitution of the United States that any large class of people would ever be regarded that way because people have interest indeed the heart of the Constitution. Uh, of the arrangements, according to James Madison, is that it uh, aligns the duty, uh, the interest of the man with the duty of the place. And that man, ambition, is used to offset ambition. So the point is, there are these smoking guns, there are at least four of them, four different people uh, whose guns are smoking, caught smoking, where they are obviously partisans in the politics of the day, and they're on the left, and they, and you know, the worst of them even says that we are going to stop Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. Yep. Now, now the 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 point there is that uh, uh, that that means that this force too requires to be controlled. It can't just be unfettered. And and then I'm going to say whether it is or not, in my opinion. But remember also that this is really tough because. In the middle of a presidential campaign, uh, they're going to, this can't, you know, and since presidential campaigns last about two years in their most public active phase, and since these investigations take months, any investigation of a presidential campaign is going to run up against an election. And they're very sensitive to that in the FBI, and very sensitive about their own, uh, 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 what, their reputation. And the FBI report, this Inspector General's report, is sensitive that way, too. So on the second page of the executive summary, uh, I'll just read, if it's okay with you, I'll just Please. read a couple, a few sentences. There were clearly tensions and disagreements in a number of important areas between mid-year, that's the investigation of Hillary Clinton's ser- servers, agents, and prosecutors. We did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that improper considerations, including political bias, directly affected the specific investigative decisions we reviewed. So, 
No, directly affected. That's an interesting phrase. Would, would you make a note, because I want to come back to that, because it's contradicted eight page later, but go yeah, ahead. That's right. Now, the next, and, and, and what I'm showing you is this summary at the beginning, it just shows, right? So now, the next paragraph, right after uh, directly affected sentence, begins, nonetheless, that's a conjunction, right? And yes. What that means is whatever's going to come after that is some kind of a disagreement with the previous sentence. Yes. <laughs> nonetheless, these messages cast a cloud over the FBI's handling of the mid-year investigation. Now, the next sentence, another conjunction, but <laughs> <laughs> our review did not find evidence to connect the political views. So, so you see, it's you're, you're, uh, it's uh, I like to call this uh, uh, square dancing language, right? Yes. <laughs> so, may, may I give you the better one? I just, yeah, go um, ahead. This is on uh, Roman numeral page 9, the first full paragraph. In assessing the decision to prioritize the Russia investigation over following up on the mid-year related investigation, which is the server, discovered on the Weiner, Wiener laptop, we were particularly concerned about text messages sent by Stroke and Page that potentially indicated or created the appearance that investigative decisions they made were impacted by bias or improper considerations. Most of the text messages raising such questions pertain to the Russia investigation. And the implication in some of these text messages, particularly Stroke's August 8 text message, will stop candidate Trump from being elected, was that Stroke might be willing to take official action to impact the presidential candidate's electoral prospects. Under these circumstances, we did not have confidence that Stroke's decision to prioritize the Russia investigation over the following up of the server, the mid-year related investigation lead discovered on the Wiener laptop, was free from bias. In other words, Dr. Arn, they said it's free from bias, but then they just said we don't have confidence that it was free from bias. It is Orwellian. That's right. And, and that, you know, that whole thing is, um, so uh, early on in the, uh, they attribute to Comey that Co Comey altered, Comey decided a big step in all of this is that Comey decided to make a, a unilateral, that is to say, without the Attorney General's office, without the Justice Department with which, to which he uh, reports, make a decision that, uh, make an announcement that Hillary Clinton was not going to be prosecuted. I, let me enter here, by the way, that I'm not at all confident that Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted. Agreed. Uh, 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 but he used the word grossly negligent. And then he changed that word to extremely careless. And then he made some other adjustments in the language to tone it down. And they say that uh, he felt like he had to have that language. As far as I can tell, this is based on things he said to the inspector general. Had to have that language because he didn't want FBI employees to get the impression that they wouldn't be prosecuted if they handled information the way Hillary Clinton did. So isn't that an interesting thought, right? I don't want the people working for me to think they can get away with this crap. Do you, do you know that was another interesting thought is that they had a briefing for retired FBI agents on October 21st to describe the investigative decisions so as to arm former employees with facts so that they, too, might counter falsehoods and exaggeration. So they were weaponizing their retired agents to go and defend their conduct. 
I, it's, it's astonishing what they did. I think it is indisputable, Dr. Arndt, that if the public had known what was going on, had just had this IG report in front of them prior to the election, Donald Trump would have won by an Ever Graydon margin in the Electoral College because they would not accept being manipulated by the FBI. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it makes it all... I, I watched Christopher Ray. I don't know him and, or, or much about him, I confess. But uh, I watched his statements, right? And they're all... It's very good. The way we, we know how to talk now, you know, because here's a plain state stating of what the FBI... of, of, the, of the difficult or dangerous thing going on in the FBI. Some uh, hard political partisans using in the course of their daily work using the machines that they use to accomplish their daily works their cell phones and their computers computing with each other uh, communicating said that they were going to stop the election of one guy and cause the election of another the president of the united states while they're investigating the campaign now that's that's just Blaring bad, right? And then, of course, Strzok goes on to the the Mueller investigation later, and so that's and, and the thing is, that's shameful, especially if you present yourself to the world as neutral. Uh, and, it, and it's dangerous. I mean, it's it's it undermines, and that that brings me to something we have to talk about. You and I are not fans of special counsels. Uh, we're not. But I think we have to have one here because the attorney general tells us this is all being sent to the U.S. attorney in Utah. Do you have confidence that the U.S. attorney in Utah is going to investigate fully and prosecute completely those who are involved in this, Dr. Arndt? Yeah. And see, that. so uh, in answering that, let me add a point, and that is that... Uh, I'm not a friend of special prosecutors in general, although they are common and necessary. I think it's particularly sensitive when the president of the United States is being is being prosecuted because he has the vote of the people behind him, and you can't have prosecutors messing with that. So there's another way in the Constitution. Here, I have little reluctance to appoint a special prosecutor. When we come back, we'll talk about moving forward. AG Sessions, please go find Mike Luttig and make him your special counsel. Stay tuned, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America, from the ReliefFactor.com studio. I am Hugh Hewitt, joined by Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arm, because it is the Hillsdale Dialogue, uh, our weekly journey into very important issues at the mountaintop, all things Hillsdale, collected at Hillsdale.edu. Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, uh, we're talking about the IG report and how murkily it is written and how great length it goes and strains to obscure. Contrast that with yesterday. Uh, the Supreme Court had before it a case challenging the state of Minnesota's ban on wearing political buttons and other garb into your voting place. In a challenge brought successfully by the Pacific Legal Foundation against that law, the Chief Justice of the United States writes succinctly, the First Amendment prohibits laws abridging the freedom of speech. Minnesota's ban on wearing any political badge, political button, or other political insignia plainly restricts a form of expression within the protection of the First Amendment. The clarity, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> now, this yeah. is what the First Amendment says. This violates the First Amendment. Ergo, it's unconstitutional. If you were to summarize this 500-plus pages of mashed potatoes that are cooled overnight... How would you do so? Mm. 
Well, you would say that uh, we have explicit language by Peter Strzok. There, there, there are four such people, apparently. But uh, Peter Strzok, that he's going to stop Trump's election. However, we cannot connect that to any actual judgments that were made. <laughs> so, so you can state an explicit intention, right, and, and then that's unconnected. And how do you make that square with we don't have any documentary evidence when they've got documentary evidence? And indeed, they say um, we do not have confidence that Strzok's decision to prioritize the Russian investigation was free from bias. Uh, It it is actually an incoherent uh, report intended, I believe, to muffle the facts. To, to just drown them. I mean, I had to print the thing out. It used up. I had to go get more paper from the CVS. I had to get more ink because it's 518 pages. And you cannot expect a informed citizenry to make sense of this. I wonder, I don't know if people uh, would read. I encourage people to read Molly Hemingway, who writes on The Federalist and who's on Fox News. And she's had a lot of investigative journalism. And, like, one thing is... Um, and uh, the FBI put somebody in the Trump campaign, right, as a spy. And they did that in conjunction with the CIA. And, you know, that's, that's why all this is going on, you know, that this, all, all of the things that are going on with these investigations uh, that the Inspector General's report is about. There's other stuff going on that the Inspector General's report is not about. And, you know, having to do with Russia and all of that. And so just think, you know, there are <laughs> intrusions into the political process by law enforcement. And we need to think long and hard about how you make sure that's not just compromised. Because we're about to have an election in Turkey. And the great concern there is that there really is a deep state in Turkey and that Erdogan will not honor a real vote. And indeed, there is a concern in Iraq that the votes have gone burning and that they're trying to do a recount and they burn down the warehouse with the votes. Wherever there are law uh, people with guns in charge of voting and the process that elects, it is a dangerous situation. It is. And, you know, some of this, you know, to, because if, if we could try to think of something simple or bright light to say, because politics are the way they are and because human interests are the way they are, uh, then elections, they're very controversial. And that's the reason is they decide who gets power. And it's rare that a country for a long time decides who gets power by a popular vote. And, and uh, you know, almost nobody achieves that. And nobody has achieved that in the modern world so long as we have done that. Uh, we, we, we have done it longer than Great Britain, which really didn't even begin to do it until the mi- middle of the 19th century. So that's a precious thing, and we should think about preserving that. And one of the tools, and it's not the only one, in the Constitution is that, that uh, the political process itself should be encouraged to argument and debate and transparency, and then the people can find out and decide things. Amen. And they're going to do that in November. And this report is part of that. When we come back, so is the Singapore Summit. Dr. Larry Arn and I talk about that. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show.
Welcome back, America Two Hill, with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. Doc, Dr. Trump, Larry, uh, we have Donald Trump on the front lawn of the White House live. Let's listen. We're on the There's losing no trade war. Endeavor. Well, no, there is no trade war. They've taken so much. So last year, three hundred and seventy-five billion dollars in trade deficit. We had a three hundred with China. We had overall over eight hundred billion dollars over a period of years. Each year, close to $800 billion in losses on mm-hmm. trade. It's not going to happen anymore. Right. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. A week ago, you were up in um, up in Canada, and you met I with was. the G7 people. I that, was. You know, that didn't end so well. No, it ended well for the United States. It ended well. Well, the world community thinks the United States is turning our back on them. No, but no, your no. opinion is that it's you got elected to represent America, and America needs help. We need protection. Everybody's taking advantage of us. The European Union made $151 billion on us last year. The uh, If you look at, I told you about China, you look at Japan, you look at South Korea, you look at so many. And we help these countries militarily on top of everything else. I mean, you know, at what point does it stop? And when I left China, it was absolutely a fantastic meeting. We left, we hugged, we kissed, everybody was leaving. And then I get onto Air Force One. And the prime minister up there, Trudeau, didn't think, I guess, that we have any televisions on Air Force One. But they have, I think, 21 televisions or some ridiculous number. And, and so you in. saw it and you hit no, the roof. Well, you have to understand, we're hugging. We're saying goodbye. Everybody's happy. I made changes to right. the agreement because I wanted it to be much better for the United States. I made changes. We're all happy. And then he got up and started saying that... He doesn't want to be pushed around by the United States. Well, they charge us almost 300% on dairy products. So we can't do that. Have you heard from any of the G7? They all called me to wish me happy birthday yesterday. Really? And how was that? It was very. Not your birthday, but the message from the other side. uh, I, I took it very well. Right. No, they all called. I mean, I have great friendships. The new prime minister of Italy is great. Mm-hmm. Got to meet him. Very very strong on immigration, right. like I am, by the way. Uh, it seems that strong on immigration wins now. Sure. But and, this you know, is- the Democrats, by the way, are very weak on immigration. If you notice, when I came over, they were all saying about separating the families. And that's a Democrat bill. That's Democrats wanting to do that, and they could solve it very easily by getting together. But they think it's a good election point. I think it's a horrible election point but for them. Ultimately, Congress has got to change the they laws. Change the law. But at the right. same time, Mr. President, people say, look, you, you rip these families apart, even though it is the law, it's heartless. But that's the law, and that's what the Democrats gave us. And we're willing to change it today if they want to get in and negotiate. But they just don't want to negotiate. They're afraid of, they're afraid of security for our country. They're afraid of a wall. Mm-hmm. Although I must tell you, most people now really... They want the wall. They want to stop the All drugs. All right, Dr. Arn, you're, you're getting treated there to, to a lot of Donald Trump. What do you make of just the style? Well, he's a, well, he's obviously a very confident man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, said, he is. A lot, a lot of people who don't, who don't like him, uh, and I don't like this thing, but I will tell you, one of the things I notice is that he praises himself a fair amount. And so he said before the summit, he said that he would understand uh, Kim, the leader of North Korea. It probably wouldn't take him even one minute. That's what I do. <laughs> so, yes. So it's, it's like that, right? But now what, <laughs> what I do like is uh, he... So the American press, the enemy press at least, and that's most of it, 
they if the leader of Canada says a bad thing about Trump, you mean the, the leader, political enemy of Donald Trump. That's press. what I mean. Yeah, 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 the yeah. political enemies, right? The opposition, not enemies right? of freedom, just political so, enemies of you Trump. Know, if the president of France or the prime minister of Canada say bad things about Donald Trump after they've met with him, then that's you know above the fold front page headlines, and uh, and then. And then Fox just asked him, and did the summit go badly? And his, now here's how he deals with that. Very well, very well. And, you know, we were all just hugging, and everything was fine, and we'd made some good agreements, and I had helped to adjust them to get them more favorable to the United States. And then they say these things about how we're not going to push them around right after we leave. And I had TVs on Air Force One. That's not fair. That's how he talks, right? And that's, a, that, that's all very understandable, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's exactly the way an ordinary American would. Uh, it, it, actually, it's been part of many comedies for years when people leave on their phone or their device and they think someone's left the room and then they talk trash about them, but they haven't left the room. It's it's like a recurring joke on Veep with uh, uh, Louis Dreyfus. Uh, it's, it's a recurring joke everywhere that if you do dirty, the people you just did a deal with, they don't like it. Yeah, distinguish the way he talks with the, the Inspector General's report that we were parsing out earlier, right? Oh, true. What, true. what exactly does that thing say, right? <laughs> but, but you don't leave Donald Trump thinking that. <laughs> now, let me, let me read to you, by the way, John Podhoritz, who is uh, a neo-never-Trumper. He's not in the hardcore never-ever-ever-Trumpers who cannot say a word a good about him. But John was pretty much opposed to him. He writes this today, quote, We'll stop it, close quote. With the revelation of those three words, which popped up in today's Justice Department report about the uh, uh, FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton, the world has changed. We now know that senior FBI official Peter Stroke sought to calm his mistress and fellow FBI official Lisa Page's fear of a Trump presidency by promising to stop it from happening by text message. Eighteen months later, Congress asked the Justice Department for all materials relating to the couple's conduct, and the text containing those three words was missing from those materials. The thing was, the text to which it was a response was supplied to Congress, but not the smoking gun. That had been disappeared until the Justice Department report revealed them. Let's face it. It is highly unlikely that this extraordinarily incendiary text simply vanished of its own accord. Someone almost surely vanished it, so it could not become the subject of a thousand Fox News broadcasts. I think we can presume that special someone was its author, Peter Stroke. This guy Stroke may be the emblematic figure of the past few years of Washington scandal. He was intimately involved in the investigation into Hillary Clinton and in the Russia investigation. That is, until independent counsel Robert Mueller found out about the texting with Lisa Page and fired them both off the probe only a month after Mueller started his work. And he goes on to say he's the ultimate, uh, he uses a Yiddish term, I love this. Do I call him a schmuck? Stroke is the ultimate Shlomazil, a Yiddish term for a clumsy oaf who trips over himself at every term. Stroke assured his mistress that he'd stop Trump. He didn't do it in 2016, and he may have contributed to not stopping Trump in 2020. That's from a never-Trumper, Larry Arn. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> that's funny. So, John Podhortz is an interesting and great guy, right? He's and, wonderful <laughs> intellect. And so he's... Uh, <laughs> He's funny, too. <laughs> so his point is, that's a kind of broad appeal he's making. If you're never Trump, you should really dislike stroke. <laughs> yeah. yeah that is. And, and 
it goes to the we got to switch to Singapore. It goes to this essential Trump derangement syndrome in the media. I think they're trying to build a wall around the cesspool. Yeah, but that it's not going to hold. There's too much cess in the pool. If uh, you know the, the Congress here, here's what here's a you know it's very hard to think through what are the resolutions to a problem of wrongdoing legal fraud or wrongdoing in a major election how do you prosecute that and the congress you know when it's better it could do these things first of all it needs an intelligence committee and other committees that can guarantee security that is to say there won't be leaks out of them and you know when the Congress is disciplined. It has in the past been and had a disciplined leadership. It didn't leak everything that went on. Heck, you know, the Marshall Plan and the Truman Doctrine and the great emergence of the United States into world politics after the Second World War, that was worked out in a bipartisan way in the Congress with the, with the Truman administration. Arthur Vandenberg from Michigan. Uh, Hank Meyer, a retailer, has written a wonderful biography of him lately. Anyway, Let's say Congress acted like that. Then what they, they, their powers to ask the FBI questions are an important check on the executive branch, of which the FBI is part, and that's why those powers are there, right? So there should be, there is, and there should be a congressional investigation of all of this, and they should subpoena documents. And then they should treat them carefully so as not to expose agents to danger. But they should write plain documents about uh, later about who did what, of which this Inspector General report, report is deficient. I also believe that the Republicans, led by the very able Mitch McConnell, who this week became the longest-serving Senate GOP leader in history, I believe he is the most effective Republican congressional leader in my lifetime. I believe that they ought to investigate. They ought to run for office because you've pointed out the resolution of this issue is with the people and the Republicans should run on the economy. And it's going to be three point six unemployment, according to the Fed and GDP at three percent or greater, according to Brian Westbury and others. They should run on the economy and the tax cuts and they ought to run on everything. But they also ought to run on rebuking the permanent state, not the deep state, but the permanent government and the corruption of it. They ought to run. Uh, against Peter Stroke. Everybody, uh, you know, since Reagan, you know, just if you just think of the timeline. So the modern administrative state grew to be the powerful thing it is in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, right? So it's not so old. Ronald Reagan gave his famous Time for Choosing speech in 1964, where he pointed out the dangers of that thing, and that made him a national figure. Then he was elected in 1984, but it still has not really been set back. And but ever since that emerged on the scene, beginning with the career of Ronald Reagan, it's always been good politics to run for national office against the government of the United States. And that didn't used to be true. See, people don't like this kind of government, and it is vulnerable. And so they should run against the limiting of it so that it is safe and doesn't threaten the people's freedom. 
I'll be right back with Dr. Arm. We'll talk about the Singapore summit when we come back. Don't go anywhere, America. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening today from the ReliefFactor.com studio. I'm with Dr. Larry Arn. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things collected at Hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations at HughForHillsdale.com. Dr. Arn, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you comment on the Singapore summit where President Trump sat down with the evil dictator Kim Jong-un. And then Secretary of State Pompeo went off to Seoul and China. Uh, to continue the work, what make you of all this? Uh, well, the the joint statement, uh, which you characterized properly earlier, uh, really makes five points. Uh, one of them it makes twice. Uh, the, the 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 shining point is this is a historic and really big deal. That was one of their points. <laughs> and the rest, <laughs> then uh, uh, the U.S. and North Korea uh, uh, going to have new kinds of relations. That's one. Uh, we're going to build a just and lasting peace. That's the same one over again. Uh, they commit to, the DPRK commits to work towards complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And they agree, in that. so to work towards that, right? So they don't commit to get rid of their nuclear weapons, but work that way. And then this is real. They say they, uh, they commit to recovering our POW and MIA remains from the Korean War. So that's what it decides, really, those four things, and two of them are redundant with each other. Um, and, and, and so what does it mean? Well, it, it's very unclear. It, it, they're going to keep talking. Pompeo is named in the, in the joint declaration as the person who's going to represent the United States by name. And, and they're going to keep talking. And then... We, meanwhile, we have our sanctions operating on them, and we can do what we want. Uh, it doesn't mention, the document doesn't make any mention of human rights, and that's controversial. But also, I think, uh, if you're going to try to woo this guy away from the kind of regime he has uh, into a better kind, you don't start by the point that I'm delegitimizing your whole regime. In fact, uh, Steve Ducey just moments ago asked President Trump, he said, look, he's a horrific dictator. And President Trump said, that's what it is. But am I supposed to do walk out there and say terrible? He also then went on to say, and this is causing quite a stir, Dr. Larry Arn. President Trump just said on Fox News, Kim Jong-un speaks and his people sit up in attention. I want my people to do the same, close quote. Of course, that is being interpreted as an authoritarian demand. How would you suggest people understand that? Well, I don't think that Donald Trump is an authoritarian or t- intends to be. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, his, my favorite thing about him, and that is his long support of the rule of law as opposed to the bureaucratic state. And I don't think he meant that by that. And the other thing is, of course, he didn't mean that by that, but it's yeah. going to be interpreted. It's going to be recycled a million times to mean that even as we try and drain the meeting from Peter Stroke's text message. And otherwise, yeah. infuse meaning where it isn't and drain it where it is. Yeah, but and see, he would be uh, he would be a much greater fool than his worst critics claim him to be if he actually thought that making some statement like that would uh, place the American people in the mood of the people of North Korea. 
And the moment that he made an authoritarian move, people would rise up against it. That's what I like to tell people. He just hasn't violated the Constitution. And in artful comments, don't violate the Constitution. Mm. Yeah, even if it was inartful, right? He, uh, he, he, Trump is, Trump's support comes from people who think that the government is arbitrary and too strong. Right. And so it is possible if we lose the rule of law in America and everything collapses, that what will, will emerge is a strong man. This history shows that this can happen. A strong man who would come and bring order claiming to represent the people. But Trump doesn't show any signs of that to me. No, he, he, uh, he doesn't show it to me either. And I, but, you know, it's going to be all day and all night. The, I think this election is going to be a referendum, Dr. Arn, on elites and their domination of the media, because I think everybody knows it. They yeah. feel it. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know uh, what to think about the election right now. It's still too early. But uh, it is true that uh, the balance of the pundits has changed. And nobody, nobody is really claiming now that we're going to have a complete and unprecedented blue wave. Uh, they don't claim that you can know that now. And they were claiming that back in January. And uh, so I, you know, I think that we're in the middle of a great national decision. It's very slow motion. It's been going on for 30 years. If you date the rebellion against the new kind of government, right, and just remember it's Washington, D.C. looks different because of it. A but I wish he hadn't said, I, why, I wish he hadn't said, I want my people to do the same. That just doesn't sound good. It's not what he means. It's inartful. I just wish he hadn't said it, Larry Arn. Yeah, okay, well, I... Uh, uh, By the way, he's still live on Fox, so people can leave us now and go watch President Trump on Fox News or listen to Mike Gallagher. Dr. Larry Arn, always a pleasure.